he's busy with the math olympiad my name is matthew kroll and killing is like smoking only the first time is hard <laughs> is that the wrong emphasis my name is shahir dowd wow and this is the only podcast about movies specifically the film uh decision to leave decision to leave I think I would like to make that decision at this point. <laughs> yeah. I, Should we just abandon this uh, off the bat? Can you try that quote again, but do it as like, uh, like as a as a hard, like grizzled m- murderer or police officer? Oh, you know, like a, a lady, uh, a dame walked into the rich in, into the yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A do dame it again, walked do it into my office. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. detective. Okay, hold on, standing by. Yeah. <laughs> red ribbon, yellow ribbon, red ribbon, yellow ribbon. Killing is a lot. No. Killing is like smoking. Only the first time is hard. That was way better. That that, you are Shahir Dowd. Yeah, and I. That was good. That was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're keeping all of this in, right? Oh, we're keeping the entire thing. This is our new thing, by the way. By the way, uh, this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Decision to Leave. Did I say that already? I don't know. The point is, we're trying something new in 2023, and that is completely butchering our intros. Uh, we hope it's going to bring in a lot more listeners. Uh, yeah, we, it we clearly good shows our professionalism stories. at this point. Uh, I have to apologize because uh, can I can I be a hundred percent transparent here? I have had a burner of a week in terms of like everything that can go wrong has gone wrong thus far and it's only thursday at this point um but i watched so i actually only got to start watching this movie at like eleven thirty at night last night which is when i got okay. home uh i was gonna start it earlier but i needed to take a walk just to like clear my head for a little bit because i just had such a rough day and i actually did fall asleep towards the back end of the movie. So I had to pick it up again today. And I felt really awful about this. Uh, I had to, I watched a bit of it on my laptop. I watched a bit of it on my desktop. And I watched a little bit of it on my phone. And this is as nature intended. As nature intended. And I, and I was like, um, and it was really interesting because uh, I once gave a talk at the New Zealand Film Classification Office many, many, many moons ago, and I was really interested in in film classification. One of the things that they we talked about with film classification was one of the concerns people had was the way in which um, movie scenes could be taken out of context because of new technology. So, okay. so you know, if you watch a movie in a th- in a cinema, for example, you you can't stop it, pause it, you know, or anything like that. You just watch it all the way through. And one of the concerns about film classification is once it goes to home video, people can watch scenes out of context and rewatch them over and over again. They, they were particularly concerned about this in the context of movies which feature something that is um, uh, the, the phrase that the uh, the legal phrase that the that the uh, New Zealand Film and Censorship Office uses injurious to the public good. So we're talking Whoa. about scenes that uh, involve, you know, extreme violence, extreme sexual violence, or illegal activity. Uh, some scene, some content uh, just cannot be depicted on New Zealand screens. And the history of censorship is really fascinating, by the way. I've, I'm, I'm, it's a topic I really love. But my point being, the reason I thought that was interesting is that I was doing this thing, which I think was directly the concern of what the film uh, and censorship board was talking about. Not obviously for the wrong re- uh, you know, for... Uh, uh, bad reasons, but I was like stopping the film, rewinding it, rewatching scenes over and over and over again because I was having like, I was trying to figure out the context, going back over scenes and things like that, and that was really, it was really fascinating to watch in that context. And so before we get into the actual review a little bit down the line, we've got some emails to go through. Um, I want to say uh, up front, 
I I need to give this movie another straight run, which I have not done. Sure, yet. yeah, I, that's I have very to do it. yeah, very noble. Uh, I would argue though, and I get it from a, I guess a content perspective, but I don't think from an experiential perspective that's a really great thing because there's that 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 those laws, it doesn't seem like uh, are taking into account uh, people, uh, for instance, with disabilities or no, no, no. Yeah, or people that have to engage with content in a different way in order to get stuff out of it. No, no, no. You know and, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I, I understand that. What we're, what what they were concerned about was, for example, um, you know, and, and to, to apologies for any trigger warnings here or anything like that, but what they were concerned about was movies that feature graphic sexual violence, for example. Yeah, you know, I, and, I, I get and, that. And, and what they were concerned about was that with new technology, people could take those scenes and not watch them. So, so when, when yeah, they take seen, something out of context, take the big violent thing that's 2% of a film and, and rewatch it. Watch and, it and, on loop? And watch it on loop or do whatever. And the concern here is, is that, uh, you know, when you're, when you're classifying a film uh, that has legal implications, as it does in New Zealand, um, you want to make sure that people who want to see that content uh, can watch it and that, you know, that there is no sort of um, censorship of ideas. But then just being very aware that um, new technologies were permitting um, sort of a reinterpretation of material. And the, again, this was like 10 to 15 years ago. So yeah, the yeah, concern, yeah. there was just, w w they, they weren't implementing laws. It's just they were doing a lot of research to consider how does, um, how does new technology impact the way in which we think about classification of films? Okay. And, but then how does this classification point, because we're not talking about anything with extreme violence or anything like no, that for tonight. this. Yeah. This is your experience of watching a movie sort of in and out of different contexts. Yeah, I, I'm just saying that the, the, the thing that they were concerned about as a new phenomenon of DVDs at the time and the internet was kind of the thing that I'm doing, which is that I was watching things out of context and rewinding and what have you. Now, but what, not for any of the reasons why. But they not for any of the reasons the that they were place. actually concerned about it. I got yeah. you now. I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. Well, I watched this all the way through without pausing. Fuck you're, so you're, you're I think goddamn purist. <laughs> and it was on a projector, so I think that's as close to a movie theater situation I could have outside of the cinema. I watched it at least. 40 to 60% on a cinema, uh, on a projector. You don't even you don't even know. I don't even know and I got to I got to be honest with you. Um oh, we'll, no, we'll talk about it in the movie itself because I think there's something there's a quality <laughs> of the movie itself that made that even more uh challenging for me at the time. So again, I, if the if the opening bars of this episode have not given you anything but absolute confidence in our ability to discuss a movie, know that we will butcher our opening quotes and that yep. we will have difficulty actually watching the movie in context. At least one of us. Uh, and then many of our conversations, as always, will go off on wild tangents as I have just demonstrated. Welcome for to the instance, show, everyone. did you know? Yeah, yeah. Did, for instance, did you know that Baja Blast is going to have a hot sauce? What? Yeah. That sounds like something that a kid sure, would say. <laughs> you know what? And if that got put on my table, I would make a decision to leave. Just kidding. I'm going to try it. Yeah. But I wanted to transition back. All right. All um, right. <laughs> but before we talk about the film whose title I just dropped about hot sauce, I would only walk away from in this fictitious context. Mm. Uh, we have some emails, I believe. We do have some emails. And again, thank you to everyone who emailed us in at onlymoviepodcast.gmail.com. We're catching up on emails. Um, Matt, you asked this great question a while ago about like where do people watch uh, or listen to our podcast, and yeah. uh, people have really chimed in. We were getting first-time listeners who I've never heard from before uh, chime in on that. So uh, Chris writes in, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the menu and its commentary on the state of art in our society. And I asked the question, yeah. will we be covering it at some point? And I, I would get, venture to say, given how much uh, social media 
cultural clout that that film is occupying. I guess we will at some point. I have seen it. Uh, also, I have seen it as well. I want to say it was the first movie for in a long time uh, that I had time. I had a random two-hour block, yeah. and I was like, I'm going to watch this for fun because it's I not on our schedule yet. I did the same thing. I did the same. Yeah. I watched it for fun, and yeah. I was like, there's a part of me that got to the end of it and was like, I'm glad we're not talking about this on the podcast. <laughs> well, so I'm not from a from a topical or or I have a lot to say about it, and I'm not going to borrow you know borrow this down on here. But um, I there there is a, there is something that is nice when you're doing something for yourself. Yeah, like like we didn't have to think of notes or exactly. thoughts or what you That's know how we're talking like, about how we're going to yeah. discuss things. I, I have a lot to say about it, and if we do it, I'd be happy to do it. But in the moment, I was like, this is nice because it was for me. Yeah, and and I was also like. Much more generous to the film. I think I was like much more like I'm not watching this with a critical eye. I'm just watching this because it's Friday night. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Chris continues. I just listened to your episode 408, Glass Onion, and wanted to uh, wanted to know where we were. Uh, you wanted to know where we were when we listened. Uh, you mm-hmm. didn't want GPS co- coordinates. So I'll just give you my what three coordinates, which is uh, a, a, a link that he sent through, and it it uh, it dropped somewhere in the northern African. It, is this? It, in the uh, yeah, ocean in the northern African area, I Let's believe. See. Let's see. Uh, let me just pull this up here. Northern Africa. I have South- to set my cookie preferences. I'm not going to accept all these cookies on this oh, random we're, we're link, really Chris. Close, we're close to the Gulf of uh, Gulf of Guinea uh, and close to Equatorial Guinea in Nigeria. So, uh, Wait, did you pick, Chris? Did you pick? Oh wow, <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a cool take, right? Anyway, <laughs> I think I think maybe Chris is on an oil rig. Yeah, maybe that would be wonderful. Anyway, yeah. Chris, uh, in se- Chris continues, button serious. <laughs> I was on my way to work listening, uh, not on an oil rig, on an oil rig. It's where I do most of my listening, and if I'm cleaning the house, I might be listening to a podcast or I'll listen to an audiobook. The only way I really read nowadays. Loving your work and looking forward to more. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate Thank those. You, Chris. We will decipher those coordinates at some point. I just deciphered it. I've already, I've already, the drones are inbound. Oh, wow. Is he like uh, Ben Affleck in Armageddon? I, I, at the maybe. beginning, he's on an oil rig. That is true. Yeah, that and is Bruce true. Willis is his uh, soon-to-be father-in-law. <laughs> There's a lot going There's on in Armageddon. Chris. Stay tuned for that. Yeah, you're that gonna episode. have to marry Liv Tyler, Chris, with some animal crackers. Anyway, continue. Uh, anyway, uh, next email is from Muhammad. Uh, he says, "Hope you're doing well." To quote Frodo Baggins from Lord of the Rings, "It's done. I'm finally cut up with the podcast." Yay, Yay Muhammad! Muhammad you did congratulations. It. Uh, and slash, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> back to the email. Uh, though I must admit, I skipped a few episodes on movies which I wasn't interested in slash hadn't seen yet. So Whoa. once I see them, I will definitely be going back and revisiting those films, especially the assassination of Jesse James. Now that it's on HBO Ooh, Max, good episode. Will be very, yeah, very good happy episode. Great movie. Yeah. It's strange, but I like and hate this film equally. He's talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Ah, there we go. Uh, I like that Snyder finally got to make the film that he wanted with absolute creative control, but I also hate how this film came into being. Uh, with his so-called fans constantly bullying, harassing everyone and everything at DC slash Warner Brothers to make the film. Also, side note, it was also a big contingent of bots, which is very strange, but we'll move on from that. Not to mention Snyder himself stroking the fire with images and concept art from the film, further driving his legion of psychotic basement-dwelling 
Leonidas cosplaying fans uh, into a frenzy. Matt's right in his assessment. If Whedon's uh, version was a stinking dumpster fire, then Snyder's version is just an empty dumpster. (laughs) (laughs) I I did like that analogy. That was a fun one. Second, I must say that I think Mr. Girard is absolutely wrong about his assessment of Mr. Scorsese as a specific type of filmmaker when he uh, has made films of all sorts of genres. He's not just a dude who makes gangster films. He's He's not shitting on Marvel but merely voicing his opinions on how the proliferation of these big-budget IP-driven films is drowning out more original films, which sadly are falling out of favor uh, at the big, major studios. I think uh, we had that conversation at the time. I think there was a, a point at which uh, the Scorsese gate issue. Right? There, there is a thing, which is that um, you know, if we're continuing the conversation about the the fanboyism around superhero films, as such as the Zack Snyder thing. Um, there is a thing which is that, you know, it's a phenomenon we see all the time now, calling it out. Every time a journalist is in a press room with a filmmaker who is noted for not having made a Marvel movie or something like that, inevitably the question will be asked, what do you think of Marvel movies? And inevitably these filmmakers who do not uh, occupy a lot of headspace in the film Twitter sphere or film TikTok sphere or any of these other spheres which seems to put a lot of cultural cachet on these things, answers with, I don't give a shit about those movies or what have you. Uh, those particular spheres of which they are not a part of and uh, tends to blow up uh, against that person. And Martin Scorsese obviously felt the brunt of it to the point where he had to write a uh, New Yorker op-ed or was a New York Times op-ed about his, to clarify his opinion. And if you recall I mean- on that podcast... Uh, I think Jirai and I got into a little tit-for-tat about uh, Scorsese's comments there. Um, and you can go back and listen to the episode if you wanted to rehash that conversation. Snyder Cut, Snyder Cut episode's a good one. I remember I also live-tweeted it, and I just kept drinking. Okay. Uh, there was video evidence, I think, on my Twitter. of like I think it's like in 11 parts. I kept breaking between sections. Oh, uh, did you, did you go, Jirai and Shahira arguing now? <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm talking about when I was watching it. Oh, when, when I was you're physically watching the movie, watching the movie right. for the podcast. I think I went through a 12 pack of White Claws Ooh, uh, right. because I needed it. <laughs> um, but um, I will say the there's an interesting thing. Uh, sorry, I want to tangent back to some of the the Snyder stuff. So mm-hmm. the movement for the rabid Snyder whatever stuff. Mm-hmm. It's so odd because I, tr- I based on what I see. On these social media circles, Snyder actually, I don't think, like, how do I put this? It's not not purposely. I don't think Snyder, when this was going on, fully understood the, the sheer fervor and, like, veracity of, like, these people and, like, what they were doing. Like, I think Snyder just, like, wanted to make a movie that he got a director's cut for, like, that he couldn't finish because he had personal uh, tragedy happen in his life. Mm. And, like, I'm sure he got excited and, like, posted pictures and did stuff. But, like, I don't – like, it's weird. Did you watch – there was, like, a Kevin Smith-led – when the Snyder Cut dropped, HBO did, like, a – an interview thing or like a live thing with Zack Snyder and Kevin Smith hosted it and there was a lot of tech problems and it was pretty rough. Mm. But, like – the fan, like when the fans would ask questions or say something weird, like live, he like did not look comfortable. Okay, like it was not a, it was not like a happy like, yay, we did it. It's like a, oh god, what's this machine I built? <laughs> right. Uh, uh, and I, I don't, I don't. So when I think about it, I never blame Zack Snyder really for that fan base. I don't think he's like a demagogue that's like rallying sabers to get people to do this. 
I just think that the films he makes, the spe- specifically the superhero genre, uh, kind of uh, m- uh, audiences gravitate towards it that might also be prone to doing things like this and setting up someone as a demigod. Mm. Like, it's just like a weird, like, weird echo chamber type thing. So I don't think he's like a mastermind, but I think it's just a dude that wants to make a specific kind of movie. Uh and then kind of it is in so much of an outside bubble that he doesn't notice what's kind of happening at least until at least for a while but again i don't know if that gives excuses or not for that behavior or whatever but i just it was an interesting thought i had i don't think he engages with that edge of the fandom i think he likes that they exist cuz it makes it so he can make films he wants to make now there is a, a vanity fair article called the true story of the snyder cut which goes into some detail of how this all happened and i believe um there is some insinuation here that that the bots and uh, the PR campaign to release the Snyder Cut was in some part uh, supported by Zack Snyder himself and may have actually been funded. Uh, I would need to go back and read that article uh, in a little bit more detail. Maybe, but, but, but even if- so... I don't think and th- this is not an excuse. I'm not making excuses for Zack Snyder. Even if he funded the whole damn operation, I don't think he realized the actual vitriol that this would sort of like it, it because for all intents and purposes every interview i've seen and you never know a person i don't no. know Zach he, Snyder. Like nice he, doesn't, he doesn't seem like a terrible man yeah. like so i i don't know uh it, it's 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 a fascinating blip in cinema history this entire thing yeah. and i'm so glad it's over <laughs> and to 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 put it to to martin scorsese's point who cares <laughs> you know what i mean like sure. who cares um, just because, you know, like, are, am I ever going to watch? Th- I, I think it's an interesting phenomenon. Uh, am I ever going to watch that movie again? I don't know. Uh, I doubt it very much. Uh, just a quick shout out here to an email that came into us from Famalayo. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing the name correctly. We cannot read this email on air, but I did uh, respond to you directly uh, because it contains a large spoiler for a murder mystery movie that is out on Netflix right now. Of course, I'm talking about Glass Onion uh, and responding to a question that I specifically asked uh, in an episode. So again, thank you for that email. We really appreciate that and the back and forth that we had there. Uh, please keep listening and, and writing in with your thoughts and opinions. Uh, this next email comes in from Catherine. Dear Matt and Shahir, I discovered your podcast only a few weeks ago on Nebula. Uh, Fuck yeah! I, I really enjoy it, and it's kind of amazing to have so many episodes of one podcast left I can listen to. I'm that, really happy. You know what? That makes me very happy, Catherine, because that's what that's like one of the major value propositions we bring to this space <laughs> is we have a fuck ton of episodes. Yeah. I think that is the metric that we use. Fuck ton. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, couple things I wanted to ask. Are you planning on making an episode about After Sun? I just saw it tonight in cinema, and I'm actually on the way home right now, and I really love your take on it. Yes, we are planning to do an episode on that. We're kind of just, we're being real cheap asses here and just waiting for it to become a rental, to be honest with you, because it's a $20 buy right now. But it is a great um, uh, it is a conversation point. I ran a Twitter poll or just a Twitter feed a couple of weeks ago asking what movies we'd see. After Sun was unanimously the one that we have to see before our end of year poll. We've discussed sure. this at uh, at no end. Um, and I listened to your episode about the worst person in the world. I was wondering, do you guys watch films dubbed or subtitled? And how are foreign language films usually shown in the cinema in the United States? Uh, well, that was it, actually. Thank you so much for making this really entertaining, interesting podcast. Best wishes from Hamburg, Catherine. Thank you so much, Catherine. 
Thank you so much. So that really made our day. Uh, yes, we, uh, Matt, I think I can speak for both of us. We will watch uh, film subtitled, overdubbed any day of the week whenever possible, uh, as we did with the decision to leave. Um, there are occasions, of course, I have a small child who likes to watch uh, Miyazaki films, for example. We just discovered Nausicaa uh, of the Wind, and hey. uh, and we will watch that uh, with, um, uh, with a dubbed version. I responded to Catherine as well and spoke to her uh, really directly because she's from Hamburg about uh, Wolfgang Peterson's film Das Boot, uh, which and this was and this was a fun fact that I learned uh, at the time because I remember I saw Das Boot when I was like 19 years old on a DVD, and the first time I threw it on, it it played the uh, the dubbed version, and I was blown away by how good that dubbed version was at like at like it actually felt like it was the original languages and this is something i didn't know until responding to this email and googling it uh but this was a film that was actually dubbed by the original cast who could both speak english and german fluently so they did their own dubbing and it kind of showed um catherine responded and, and mentioned the fact that 99 uh, of the films that they see in theaters in germany are dubbed and uh she said that she she noted that uh seeing things subtitled changed the entire context of of how she saw things so um if you oh a thousand percent yeah we're gonna get into that i think with this film as well um there's only two exceptions that i will always watch uh dubbed rather than uh subtitled sure and uh that is the series cowboy bebop mm -hmm. because that's how i watched it first and i think the uh the the dubbed version is actually very very good in English mm -hmm. and iconic and then uh, Final Fantasy Advent Children okay uh, because I have just, you tried I'm, watching it, them in the in the other languages I have yeah. I have but it's one of those things it, it's not that I think that honestly the original might not be better but I think it goes back to comprehension and um and specifically um <clears throat> remembrance for me. Like it's hard. It's hard when something has a emotion, like a real hardcore emotional response. And I watched it first one way to go switch it to the other. Mm. It never feels right. Yeah. Um. And that's a personal thing. Uh. It's just it's 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 like I saw those things first in that way, and now I always gravitate towards them. Fair enough. In that way. Yeah. Uh. But mo I can't think of another series or film that I have uh, actively, like, preferred the, the dub over the subtitle. I think, for me, it's just a fidelity issue. Um, you know, I like the experience of watching it. Uh, I am a fast reader, so uh, I'm good with subtitles. And, um, yeah, for me, uh, th there's also kind of a disconnect that happens if I watch a dub, um, which is that I can tell that those aren't the actors speaking those words and that... Um, immediately puts a layer on the movie that I think is entirely distracting and I do not want. Um, there's a media there's a media um, accessibility and or literacy depending on what angle we're sort of talking about here where and it's different different folks different strokes, right? Like some people might not be able to you know read quick enough, concentrate on the visuals at the same time like whatever for yeah. whatever reason and some people like you Shear might be like why are there other words coming out of this person's mouth? Yeah. Like 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 it's just it's how our brains are wired uh, yeah. and how we're sort of taught to view things. Um, a lot of different different factors, but I, but here's here's the truth of it. I'm glad that both exist. Mm -hmm. I like having the cheeky sort of like you know uh, subs before dubs like jabs, yeah. of course. But like it's really wonderful that people can experience films in whatever way. Yeah. Uh, most times that makes it the most effective for them. Exactly. And uh, again, uh, my son would not have watched uh, Miyazaki's No Score of the Wind had it not been for a uh, dubbed version. Yeah, there you go. Uh, one more email from Jacob. You want to take this? 
Sure. Jacob says, I honestly don't mind hearing everyone's movie lists in audio format for the end of the year episode, but definitely provide an explicit time limit. A minute would be fine with me, but shorter could make sense as well. Uh, I find it a lot of fun to squeeze in one when I can. Thanks so much, Jacob. Uh, Jacob, again, uh, was it our Hamilton episode? I can't remember if it was on the Hamilton episode or another episode. Might have been another one. uh, Where Jacob sent in uh, a song that he wrote about not just out well about Hamilton, but it took into some of the contextual stuff that was uh, that we talked about uh, in there. Which again, uh, I've talked about this many times, blew my freaking mind. I think it was amazing, Jacob. It, look, I'll, I'll extend this. I'll extend. Uh, I'll extend this just to you, Jacob. If you Whoa. want to write a song for our end of year episode, you you have earned a pass. Let me just say that only for Jacob. All right. <laughs> I like how you put it as a pass and not. An assignment or a <laughs> well, I don't want I don't well he doesn't have to do it or just, a privilege I'm just saying if he wants to do it I am more than you're, happy to have you're him. allowed yeah, yeah. If, well I don't know if everyone the point is not everyone should write us in a song but Jacob everyone gets, yeah everyone, <laughs> everyone write us in, in only movie podcast <laughs> at gmail.com with a fully scored uh musical number about your end of the year thing no Jacob if you want to do that that's fine also if you don't want to do that that's fine uh I appreciate all the work you've put in thus far um Okay. Tell us so, what Decision to Leave is about. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, the Internet Movie Database, Shahir, tells me to tell you mm-hmm. that Decision to Leave is a detective investigating a man's death in the mountains, meets the dead man's mysterious wife in the course of his dodging... S- what the fuck? This is such a weird sentence. I'm going to keep this in. In the course of his dodged sleuthing. Dodged sleuthing. He is, he is sleuthing sneakily underneath bullets that are coming his way I, is that there, what's I don't know if there's any i guess there's one bullet that gets fired in this movie yeah sure and he is dodging it <laughs> yeah he died uh, maybe this is of course anyway directed by uh park chan wook who uh, we i think we've only done the handmaiden on the show yes uh but we are i mean it's hard to be of our generation and not to have seen or talked about old boy at some point right like i'm sure Old Boy has come up in conversations in this podcast. I recall um, seeing Old Boy at the time, and it was hyped, 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 hyped at the time that it came out in New Zealand uh, as, like, everyone was just like, you have to go see this movie. It will blow your freaking mind. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing it. Actually, this must be a this must be a theme with Park Chan Wook's films. I saw it on a crappy VHS copy because I was teaching a class on Korean cinema, and the only copy we had was a screener that uh, someone had managed to to get to us on VHS. And I watched it on a v- crappy VHS and had my freaking mind blown by how great that mm. film was. Um, you know, I, I've seen m- most of his work: Joint Security, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Three Extremes, Lady Vengeance. I've not seen I'm a Cyborg, but that's okay. Thirst. Uh, Stoker, I absolutely adore. Handmaiden, as we discussed. I've been meaning yep. to watch The Little Drummer Girl as, a, you know, the six-part series, but I have not seen it just as of yet. Uh, a friend of mine recommended that to, uh, to, to me highly. Um, Matt, Mr. Mister Park, uh, w- what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I the old boy was uh, sort of a... Um it's weird. It was both sort of seminal to get into uh, South Korean cinema, but then also I was I was watching... I was watching in college uh, what I would consider, I guess old boy's not really this, but like uh, basically I bought a region free DVD player to watch like a bunch of like schlock action comedies. Okay. And I will say old boy is definitely not bad. 
Yeah, uh, but it's funny when I when I think of the time in my life that uh, that I watched Old Boy. Uh, I think about, and I know this is different, of course, uh, because this is a, a Japanese film. But I, I was watching a lot of Japanese and Korean cinema at the same time. Uh, Ichi the Killer, right? Uh, <laughs> it's nowhere. It's nothing like it. Not at all. Uh, but like it, th- this is the this is the vi- like the time in my life where I was watching this stuff. And actually, there was a lot of like a subsection of those films. And I wish I could remember that I have the 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 Region Three or whatever uh, DVDs in my closet. Uh, I watched a lot of like procedural cop chasing murderer. Korean films. You got Memories of Murder. You got The Chaser. You've got uh, yeah, Chaser. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Probably uh, dozens of. Uh, but you're you're naming like you're naming even those like some well known ones. Oh, yeah. I'm talking like not not well known ones. I'll I'll pull it up at some point. Right. But the uh, when I was watching this particular film, like so many kinds of like moods and tropes and things. Even though I mean this film, I'll say straight up, is very very well made. But like. Some of the things, like I was, I, I this felt like a movie I should have watched in college. It, it, again, going back to just going off of my own personal memories and experiences. Not that that has anything to do with anything, but sometimes movies, a style of a film, can take you back in a way uh, that I sometimes forget, and it hasn't happened in a long time. Gotcha. And I felt like I was sitting with my buddy, friend of the show, Matt Marchetti. Um, watching whatever new uh, Korean action comedy flick that he got. Uh, on our on our region free DVD players because we thought we were so cool. We go to like we'd go to like flea markets and like try to find new ones. And uh, man, it just the 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 stylings of the like procedural cop with a weird sort of um, <laughs> like like undertone. I want it's like an undertone of an undertone dark mm. twist. Uh, it just felt so familiar to me. Well, of course, uh, um, the film uh, is also referring, you know, and Park Chan-wook is a, uh, definitely a student of Alfred Hitchcock, and, and as rightly pointed out, this film does have echoes of vertigo in it uh, to, to quite some degree. So yeah. it's not, you know, the, the, the disturbed cop is not necessarily a, uh, a unique trope to Korean cinema. No, no, no! I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the way that Koreans, Korea, Korean cinema, excuse me, handles that trope. Mm. Like there's little, there's little sort of like tells. There's like there was another one, uh, 2009 Lost Memories. Okay, was another one. Mm-hmm. I think that's Korean. I hope that's Korean and not. Uh, well, regardless, uh, what did you think of Mr. Mr. Park uh, as a filmmaker when you watched Old Boy for the first time? That was a Korean film, yes. Uh, the um, what's it called? Uh, I mean, it 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 took my understanding of uh, I guess the the it upped the schlock. Does that make sense? Like it was like, oh man, this is this isn't just for schlock anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I was able to uh, sort of get a, a larger breath of. Uh, of just the cool things that I had sort of been missing when I was just watching things like The Returner or right. uh, The Resurrection of the Little Match Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and no, it was it was very nice. And uh, <clears throat> obviously we've kept up with them, uh, with the uh, Handmaidens. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I dig him and I was happy to watch this. Though it's funny, before we started discussing it, I didn't know that this was a thing. 
What, what was like, I've been, I'm so out of the loop. Oh, the decision to leave was like a, a film a this year? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So out of that loop. I don't know how I sort of went over my head because there's a lot of, there's a lot of discussion for awards buzz certainly, around this. Certainly, certainly. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's South Korea's uh, submission for the Best Foreign Film uh, Award this year. Uh, Park Chan-wook is, of course, uh, one of the, um, you know, I, I think if you noted the great uh, modern filmmakers, Park Chan Wook's name would certainly come up in there. Uh, I my my controversial take about Park Chan Wook is that he's an astonishing filmmaker. So none of this is going to be diminishing from like the actual capacity of the filmmaker himself. But I have found more often than not his films have not landed with me. A film like Thirst, for example, his vampire romance film, um, which I recall seeing on the biggest possible screen, uh, was not one that actually particularly landed with me. Um, mm. And I found his Vengeance trilogy, um, uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and uh, Lady Vengeance, were really interesting in their execution and um, really... Uh, mind for interesting material, but I think there's a quality to, to, to Mr. Park where um, the substantive quality of his films is in the presentation and the visuals. Now, I want to sort of um, uh, add an addendum to that to say that when it hits, so as such the case of The Handmaiden, uh, Stoker, and Old Boy, it really hits for me. And I think those are cases where the screenplays have actually managed to complement his absolute mastery of both transitions and visual composition. Um, because this is a filmmaker who uses every inch of the 16 by 9 or 1185 frame, or the 233 frame in some cases, um, to absolute precision. There's like, there's not a moment lost. There's not a, there's not a, a pan or a dolly move, or uh, a tilt, or anything that is out of place, or that is haphazard in any way. And I think decision to leave. As we get into that, one of the you know, like again, watching it on three different formats, I you know, still saying again that I need to give this movie another thorough watch through as an as an entire experience. Uh, but there was never a moment where I didn't find his capacity to make particularly transitions absolutely yeah. staggering, like just precise really well considered um there is a showy quality to them where it's like you you watch and go man that's a great transition not while we're moving from this moment to moment really interestingly you know it's funny though i actually had it much less in this than i so so slick transitions are kind of a thing now right, right. like a lot of people do them and a lot of people do them in much more, I would say, heavy-handed digital ways than they are done in this film. I mean, there's a lot of heavy-handed and, digital <laughs> transitions in this one. But, but like, not like, like, I, Blonde comes to mind. Okay. Like, <laughs> and those were neat, but those were like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, these felt. This, this is a not, volume if not, to them as If well. not, if not, not digital. Yeah. That's the maybe the wrong term. I'll say, uh, felt very. Uh, not in vibe or in style, but in world. Right. It really like it really locked me in to. I never got bucked by it because it locked me into the experience that uh, and the feeling. I think the movie was trying to uh, basically get me to that flow state to get me into, but also kept me in the story of what was going on. It never. I didn't. It was weird. Like I acknowledged that they were cool transitions, but I never was like. 
I never had the Leonardo DiCaprio on the couch moment pointing at the screen and like getting knocked off of the story. Perhaps on a uh, second viewing nice. for me, it might be a little bit more uh, of a of a seamless experience as the transitions Perhaps. are Perhaps I mean, did, did were they did they work better for you on your projector or your phone or your computer? Uh, they they the, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that they always dazzled me. I always okay. was like, wow, that's cool. But then there was a part of me that was always like. I really shouldn't be saying, wow, that's cool. I really should be kind of enjoying the moment for the moment's sake. And I think I want to talk about specifically the, the sort of idea that this is a romantic film from, uh, from uh, Park Chan-wook, um, you know, involving these two lovers, involving the kind of almost detective noirish trope that we've been talking about, it was particularly with Vertigo, of the followed woman. Uh, the sus- the suspect in the murder mystery who gets uh, followed and is obsessed upon by the detective who's following them. Um, I found that with the ever escalating circumstances for which we understand this romance to be built upon, um, the more I was taken out of the film. And while I was never bored for a moment and was never interested in where this was going to go and was constantly on my toes in terms of like... Wait, you were never interested in where it was going to where go? Where I was never not interested. There we uh, go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was never at a point... Like, never... Never worried that I was like gonna... That the film was going to take a turn and I wasn't going to be interested in it. Uh, every moment, I was constantly going, but I still don't quite get it. Like, I still don't quite... No, actually, not get it. It's, I still don't quite buy it. And I was still kind of wondering a lot of the times, why why is this happening? Um, despite and, always thinking what's happening is pretty cool. So the, the weird thing is, I totally agree. And I think this weirdly goes back to, I think, your side of our discussion about um, effectiveness of... Um, a film in a native language versus, but also our understanding of that culture and that language as outsiders watching it. Mm-hmm. While it does feel more authentic, especially, and I, I, I want to say this because I've watched a lot of uh, South Korean film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why I was like, oh yes, it, 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 trope might be the wrong word too, but like there's a certain feeling or vibe mm-hmm. and I never fully got it, but I also saw it across so many different films mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh, this has to be something cultural that I do not, like connective tissue or emotional resonance or the way that people interact or something has to be a, 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 a smidgen of, of, of culture there that I do not have access to that knowledge of that is that would fill in that gap. This movie felt like, to me, like it, it was saying things, but perhaps I was only understanding 95% of it, and there was some cultural relevance point that I couldn't grasp because I don't come from that culture. Hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I 100% agree with that being the reason. Um, I, I mean, I, again, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm saying no, no, my no. reason for feeling that same way, I think, falls into that place. There's no time in this movie. It's it's a double-edged sword because I agree. There were parts where I'm like, well, this doesn't really connect. You're like, what? Yeah, like, I, okay. But I also feel like there's such a master hand on the wheel of this one. Mm. That it makes more sense to me that that information is there and I am missing it or I don't have the cultural context to understand it than he just did amazing work for 95% of it and then just like really dropped the ball on like making one piece of connective tissue to have it all like cinched together. Like hmm. if I I was a betting man and I am, I would say it was the former. 
uh, you know, hmm. like I, I, I think I would put it more towards general storytelling than I would uh, cultural thing because I think the movie does move. For example, at the beginning, at a breakneck speed, where we are, at, and there's there's a quality to this where I, there are certain scenes we get dropped into without really understanding what is happening in those scenes or why it's happening, and. That like ten, like like at the, the beginning, beginning they're investigating a murder mystery like right at the beginning of this movie and we don't we barely know who these two characters are or what the specifics of the murder that they're dropped into and then we I mean, move that feels on pretty from par it. for the course for any no, and we move movie. on from it like thirty seconds later as though it didn't happen and then we get into a relationship story then we come back to another another mystery that's happening as well. I found you're describing the beginning of a murder mystery movie, but that the the very beginning of the murder mystery that I'm talking about is not the murder that this film is investigating, and it happens quite like like okay for as a very specific example is that um, they mention another uh, you know we're going to get into specific spoilers here they mention a character by the name of Slappy uh, who is known for his his hand slaps Um, and as soon as we mention him. We are suddenly thrown into a chase sequence where he is being chased and we don't understand the context of it. And then we, we sort of have to, like, catch up to the movie to understand that he is at his, fu- at his mother's funeral. And then we learn that his mother had this different story. Now, I'm just saying that I found that there was... But that wasn't in the dead beginning. No, that wasn't in the dead beginning. This, that's yeah. why I said it was a spoiler um, for later on in the movie. But I found that there were scenes a lot like that where, for example, someone was explaining that this phone had appeared and we were like, oh, wait, what? And all of a sudden we were in a scene where this phone was, was missing or this person was bribing this person and there was this piece of extortion happening. I never happening. got lost in that. I, that- I, I found myself going, wait, what is happening here? Uh, what is happening here? And then again, when I was on my phone like watching this in that context, I was like winding myself back and going, okay, wait, what is happening here exactly? See, I never had a problem with that structure. That structure, to me, there's two cases going on. The one that we had learned the characters from that's sort of the minor case, and then we get brought into the major case once we see the characters. What the is the minor case, say, just so that we're talking about the The minor case is the slappy case. At the beginning, there's also another murder that happens. That, the, that murder's connected to the slappy case. That whole thing is connected. No, the, per- then, the, the person who... Uh, who ends up on the uh, on the rooftop with the pair of scissors? Yes. How is that connected to the slappy case? Uh, gosh, uh, it, it was the beginning point of that case that they wanted them to work. Then they got pulled off to do this murder case, and then the guy gets the the chief gets mad. He's like, "Go, oh, you have to figure out this main one." It's like the first setup case. Right. Um, the only thing I will say that I I was although this is kind of par for the course too is his partner, who seems like he has a decent role to play... Disappears halfway through the just, movie. Disappears, gets stabbed a bunch. Gets stabbed a bunch by, by, by Scissor Man, yeah. and, then, and we don't see him again. He gets a new partner halfway through. So I, that's... I look, again, it's funny. Again, I want to say this. In these, in these cop-chasing murderer or having a certain thing, yeah. <laughs> South Korean films, I've watched a decent amount. There's always a two-thirds point through the movie where it just, like... The story ends, but then it doesn't, and it continues on in another place, like a cut, like years later or whatever. And like then there's almost like an addendum third act that isn't, like it's connected, but not really. <laughs> uh, and the characters are there in the same, and it kind of happens sort of similar in this one once that uh, gets. I, gets I will say there. so. So uh, again, I think what we're sort of getting around here is that. In amongst several murders, which involves Song Sero uh, Ray, uh, Tang Tang Wei's character, um, there, she's she's surrounded by murder and death. By the way, um, yeah. uh, Jung Hae Hoon Jun falls in love with her and becomes obsessed with her. 
despite the fact that she becomes surrounded, like almost every time he meets her, she is surrounded by death in some way or a new murder and is implicated in possibly, she is a suspect in ultimately four different murders in this movie, right? Two elderly Uh, people and two husbands. So, so okay, she's murdered. The spoilers. Yeah, yeah. we're going to jump straight into the spoilers here. Uh, She has murdered throughout this film or referenced that she has four people. She was never a suspect in the in her mother's no, murder. No, but, but but she was involved in that because she she, she murdered her she mother, murdered her mother with fentanyl pills, right? Because because her mother asked her to. Right. Still murder. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh and then uh there's another elderly person in the movie, but then there's also her Slappy's husband mother. who Yeah, then Slappy's mother who, who she murders because Slappy has uh uh because her husband at the time has extorted money from Slappy's mother. And so she then murders, well, yeah, provides fentanyl pills to Slappy's mother, um, despite her husband having caused, caused potentially Slappy's mothers to get diabetes and, you know, to, to lose all of There's her life There's a lot of threads. <laughs> There's a lot of threads saying. going on in this. And it's not told in the most linear way. Right, and I think when a film is not told in that linear way and we are outside of the culture in which it's sort of referencing, oftentimes I get confused. Uh, I can th- I can certainly see that. I'm just saying that we've definitely seen this South is also, Korea. This is also a confusing movie in general. It is a very um, confusing movie. That, I, I think that's what I'm trying to say is outside of the cultural context, it's a confusing movie. Right, but I never, I never this is weird. It's confusing, okay, but I never felt lost. I never felt uninterested, I think is what I'm saying. Like, I was okay. always like, yeah, okay, cool. I guess we're going to find out what this is in some point. Actually, there are two points I felt lost, two yeah. tiny points. One, when the partner just goes away and we're like, oh, I guess he's dead. He got stabbed a bunch. Like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> and then two, uh, when we go to that two-thirds through and it's like a year later and they, like, move to the months, country, yeah, yeah. but they, like, run into each other or, like, whatever And the she's fuck a different woman now. <laughs> and she's, like, now, like, a spy or some shit? No. And you're like... Yeah, she's just taking. Well, she's these, like, acting. She's acting very spyish. She's got wigs and sunglasses <laughs> and a new husband, and it, that it's like, wait, what? And so she's now you, moved to the town with the detective who was investigating her and who ultimately uncovered the fact that she was a murderer. She has now moved to that town, which I was so. The but thing it's because I she loves very, him, right? <laughs> well, this is the weird thing. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love that this movie is not like salacious in it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't even, you never, like, if they did sleep together, you never see it. No. Like, uh, and, and, but they had a, an intimate relationship. And uh, when he finally finds out that she did murder her husband, yep. he breaks it off, but he lets her get away. Yes. And then in that moment, it kind of went from, it, like, there was, a, I, like, I like the dichotomy of this because she even says something to this effect where it's like, that's when he goes, oh, when you told, she said, when you told me you loved me. And he goes, yeah. wait, I never said that. And she's referencing that moment where she, he basically let her go. Yeah. That's when he actually, she actually fell for him when he left. Yeah. Like there's a, there's yeah, a, a real a, weird a ships in the night. Yeah. Also, he's married. Uh, uh, so this isn't exactly the perfect meet cute with the murderer. There's yeah. a couple other threads. Um, also, he has insomnia, right? Sure. He has insomnia. He's, he's and, a detective. Yeah, and uh, and she is able to give him a restful sleep. Yeah, there's a lot of innuendo in this movie. <laughs> no, no, she, no, uh, she, she actually like sits down with him. Remember that? No, scene. no, no. I know. Uh, that's fine. 
like the my point is uh there's a lot of veils, and I do really like the way everything is presented. Right. I think um, what I found was that ultimately the the veils should give way to a sense that at the heart of this is two people who are deeply attracted to each other even when that attraction is dangerous or wrong. I or... would even posit something slightly different. I mm-hmm. would say it's two people deeply attracted to each other at different times. Sure. There's a certainly I think a there was only one moment when he finally lets her go that they both felt that exact thing and there was not a use case going on. Yeah. And I think that's very, <laughs> very interesting. I but I but at the heart of that, I guess uh, and, and you know, again, there's also like this beautiful it, it's, it's so many complicated layers here, but like fucked she, up. she uh, is Chinese and uh, can understand Korean to an extent and can speak Korean to an extent. But then there are moments when there are translations having to happen through Google Translate or what have you, and we are hearing the thing that was said earlier now through a voice responder. And so so now we're having to like remove ourselves even slightly further from the actual content, which I think in in sort of academic principle, kind of beautiful. Like it's this idea that these two people you know, can't quite communicate with each other and find some, you know, mutual respect. But also there's an interesting point, again, going back to effectiveness. Mm. That dichotomy between the Chinese language and the Korean language, Mm. until they do those moments with the phone, my ear doesn't quite pick up the difference instantly. And so I, like, it actually took me a moment and I was like, oh, 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 okay. But, like, I never quite knew what, like, I imagine there's small things if I spoke natively one or both of those languages, or not even natively, just spoke in general, um, that I would pick up on smaller things in there before but, but she would sell that they the didn't, phone. they didn't subtitle her when he didn't understand her? Yes. Yeah. But, but it didn't, how do I put it? That almost didn't matter. Right. Huh. Uh, because that was like, so that was my cue. When that's to, the cue to, to, to go saying, that she's speaking Chinese now. But I'm saying now. if we spoke one of those languages or both of those languages, it, 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 there's a difference between two languages I don't understand and one of them not being subtitled, and a language I understand and a language I don't understand. Hmm. Like there's a different wiring in my brain, and it took me a little longer to get on board. Not on like not like I didn't like it, right. but like I feel like I could have caught it quicker if I had spoken Korean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then, but then coming back big, to that big, big, uh, yeah, that, big announcement. That, that's a, uh, that's a, that's a, that's going to take you a little bit of time to get there. Yeah. Um, but coming back to that question of effectiveness, I, I just want to make sure we're positing the same thing here, which is that you wouldn't want the film to be for them to be speaking English, so you would oh, understand. Better, no, 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 right? no, no, yeah. no. I'm saying the, the effectiveness of individual scenes, especially dealing with two languages that, to my untrained ear, at very quick intervals sound somewhat familiar, and I know that they don't if you like examine them, but in the context of me having to read and watch the movie and do all that stuff, mm. uh, it's less effective when I don't understand either to understand the idea that there are different languages. And, and the, sub- the subtitle to non-subtitle trick is a good one. Mm. Um, but yeah, but, I don't know. But then, yeah, but then I think my bigger point is that the the actual sort of internal mechanic of a romantic film was not one that I'd really connected with here in terms of seeing these two people together. I think there were like lovely little moments in there. Uh, so for example, during their first interrogation, when he orders the expensive sushi, which again, looked freaking delicious. I was, was like, great. oh Comes my God. In fancy box. Yeah, in the fancy box and everything. And I, I, I like the way in which they both almost had this unspoken 
uh, process that they have where they both uh, close their boxes in the same way, put them away, put them in the bag, clean up, cleaned up the table together. She took a turn, he took a turn, and we saw, and we sort of got the sense that this was part of his relationship with his wife that was somewhat missing for him, or some part that he was kind of looking for or felt a connection with her too. So I really, I did like those little visual moments. But for the most part, when it got to the end in terms of their relationship, I guess the thing is, when we learn the extent at which, well, I'm going to I'm gonna hedge this a couple of times as well. By the way, this is the second film we've done this year where Mahler's Fifth uh, Symphony uh, it plays <laughs> a major role in it. So uh, Lydia Tarr is having quite a year, let me say. That's um, true. Um, but like the extent at which... She is, there's a part of me that goes, man, this cop is probably the worst cop on on the face of the planet to fall for this person, given how much she is involved in murder and death. And it's not like, like, hey, you don't choose who you fall in love with, she here. I know, but fool me once and like, it's my, you know, like, uh, shame on you. Fool me twice. uh, It's my fault. And fool me four times. I'm like. I like can't get fooled again. Yeah, can't get fooled again, says old George W. Bush. But I I just I was like I wasn't quite there when he turned his back to her and was anticipating that she might push him off a cliff. And I was like, I I don't know why you're doing this at this point. Um, And the fact that I guess he is also abandoning his uh, his actual wife at this point as well uh, for not like. Yeah, is he could, though? Well, he kind of plays that side. I mean, he's playing. He definitely co- he comes home and he goes. Remember when we made an agreement to always do it, even when we hate each other? And I was like, bro, that train left the station a while ago. This is some weak sauce. If your argument is that, like, well, we said we'd do it, <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. that is some that's that cardiovascular is some, health principles. Yeah, that's by, by that is some weak ass sauce. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look. I, <laughs> There's the, every character in this movie feels a little extra. Nothing wrong with it. It's yeah. actually quite engaging. Yeah. Um, but like I, I, the the thing that uh, <laughs> I guess the thing that lands the least with me in this movie, and I feel like we're we're talking a lot of a lot of guff to it. I again think I you should watch like this it. movie. I did like it. <laughs> it's ve- it's very good. It's it's visually stimulating. It is a, a tricksy movie that you might have to think about for a moment to make some connections. But when you do, you feel like very rewarded by it. Mm. Um, the ending <laughs> where she picks a spot in the sand. Mm-hmm. And digs a hole mm-hmm. and gets in the hole mm-hmm. and drowns it sounds like yourself you're when. <laughs> but it sounds like you're, you're about in. to sing the lyrics to Dick in a Box, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, get, yeah, yeah. You get a hole, you get a box, you cut a hole in the box. Step one, <laughs> dig a hole in the sand. Step, Step two, <laughs> climb into that hole. Step yeah. three, wait for the tide to wait come in. Wait for tide, tide. <laughs> and that's just how you do it. It's suicide on the beach. Uh, it's, 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 I don't know. I've, so I've almost drowned. Uh, <laughs> And that would be a really, really hard way for your body not to fight back to go. So uh, I think the thing is there that that Park Chan-wook is really he, he conjures the most remarkable visuals because as a visual idea, that is incredible. It is like, you know, in Old Boy, 
when uh, Odyssey um, appears on a rooftop in a suitcase, right? Like that's like right. that's a startling visual, um, and it's the same way here, which is that this movie is predicated by startling visuals that are just gorgeous. But I'm often the, the, want- the camera from the dead eye with the fly on it really oh, it's just got amazing. me. I love that. And also yeah. like. The film is also quite funny, which is something I wasn't really expecting. Like the comedy of pointing out where a person has fallen. He's like, he's fallen there, there, there. And then he hit the ground here. And then they're like, well, we've got to climb up this thing. And all of a sudden the next cut is them climbing up using some sort of like robotic pulley or something like that while someone else is strapped to his back. You know, it's it's very funny. Um, And but I think there's a lot of times where I feel like the characters how would I phrase this? It feels like the characters are puppets in a Park Chan-wook film. I'll even go I'll even go one step further, another step back, and then all the way to the side. These characters, from a storytelling perspective and the way they act, feel like it's more of a parable than an actual character. It feels like a Greek god. Mm. Like gods moving around and doing things with grand natures because of this. Like there's an ethereal quality to the action, not not the physical action, but the things that these characters do in the movie yeah. that feel ever so slightly not realistic, but the entirety feels that way, and it feels like we're, it feels like a parable. It yeah, feels it, like it, this is something that's yeah. leveled at Wes Anderson films all the time. For example, that they that the characters are just dollhouse characters within a Wes Anderson world. I think this th- this to me felt more prevalent in this because uh you know they have that sense that quality and i and i you know i do like me some films that have their own sort of governing rules that you know maybe just their own kind of world and park chan wook certainly has his own kind of world um but i also felt that the characters were kind of navigating that world it, it felt like the characters were being directed by a director as opposed to driving the film and oh, I took it as they were being maneuvered by, I mean, which again, we're, we're going to say the same thing in different ways. Yeah. Being maneuvered by powers beyond them. Yeah. And, and in, in, in occasionally in delightful ways, um, you know, beautiful, like uh, lots of beautiful match cuts, lots of beautiful scenes where we see the symmetry of one character placed against the symmetry of another character. Um, you know, like the retelling of how she murdered her first husband. Uh, is just quite extraordinary, and I think there's this there's a sort of layered quality to the way stories are being told and retold and translated and retranslated, and messages are being interpreted and reinterpreted and put together again. But when it all kind of comes to an end, do I feel like this is the great romance or or the great love of these two characters? Like, do these characters do does their attraction for each other mean anything to me? I'm not exactly no, sure. I so, mean, for example, in The Handmaiden, those two characters were destined, were, were fighting to be together. And by yeah, the yeah. time that they, by the time they get to the end of the movie and they are together, I felt a surge of like, well, that, you know, the journey really got us to a place. In this film, I found that the, 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 the where we landed kind of, I, I, I wasn't there. <laughs> If that makes any sense. I think I know why. Because the romance in this movie is not the point. It's not. The point The point is, these are the two is. characters. In my Again, everyone reads their own shit. But, like, the point for me was, these are two characters, two very incomplete and in some way broken characters, mm. that 
did find something that they were missing in 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 sort of varying uh, degrees up and down with a middle point being that moment where he lets her get away. Yeah. Um, and their lives surrounding those particular moments. I almost think it's like the the romance, as we're calling it, or the relationship is the fuel or the catalyst. But I don't think it's the point of the movie. I think it's I think if I had to pick why this movie is telling us this story, I think it's about sort of a twofold thing. One, the way people are valued and put into our lives changes over the course of what's going on in them. And two, these type of things are more of a few, like I, I feel like the romance itself was more like electricity than like meaningful. It, it, it's, it's what moved things forward. Like, and in that way it has meaning, but like, if you go back to the handmaids or the handmaidens, uh, handmaidens. like you're right. Like that, that film, those characters are in love and I'm in, I'm invested in that love. Mm -hmm. I'm not invested in these two I'm not I'm not looking for for Jang Song. I'm not making cutesy names and and like having things like for them. I am interested in the way that they are fueling one another's lives in pretty destructive ways. Yeah. Um but the romance is never something that I feel is presented to me as an active point I should care about. It's fuel right. for the things that are interesting in the movie. And and the way that we can show people uh, how people value others in different ways and sometimes destructive ones. Right. That's how I took it. I, again, I don't know. Mileage may vary, but I think that's the difference between, you know, uh, Handmaids. Uh, is it Handmaids or Handmaidens? The Handmaiden. The Handmaiden. Thank yeah. you. Um, I think you might between be the, hand the Handmaiden's Tale. I, well, that's the show, but yeah. No, The Handmaiden and this. Uh, I, that's, that's my big differential point for me. Yeah. I, I I think there's uh, a fair amount of uh, there's a fair amount to that, which is that uh, I mean, look, I listened to an interview with uh, Park Chan Wook uh, on the Ringer podcast, and he talked about how he wanted to make he he noted that uh, people were turned off by uh, his sort of um, predilection towards extreme violence in movies, and he wanted to make something that didn't really show the violence, but suggested it instead, uh, and instead focus on the romance uh, and and the reason why these people were there. But I think for me, um, there was something. There's so many layers to this in terms of what is happening, and it's told in such a way that is. Again, I was playing catch up a lot of the time uh, as I was watching this, and but 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 to the point that I thought it was interesting was that even though I was actually very tired when I was watching this, I found that the movie had a kind of dreamlike quality to it in terms of like they would say something and suddenly we were there, you know, like they would say uh, this is happening and suddenly we were there, and I was like, wait, what is happening? Um, yep. uh, and, you know, yeah, and I go found back that, to that sort of like Greek yeah. goddish, like sort of like just I would say dreamlike quality. There was like a kind yeah. of like fluid, like to me, it was like a a lucid, uh, lucid dreamlike quality. You yeah. know, where I felt, kind of felt well, like the, things were happening, and I was just and there's playing catch. Yeah, up it's to twofold. Yeah, yeah, it's twofold, right? Because that that happens throughout the movie to most of the characters, but also the way the detective like detects and the yeah. way we see it is him like. Him showing up physically in the space that he's like staked out. Yeah, at, exactly. Yeah, and for you're real not, and life. you're never quite sure whether it's his imagination or it's really happening because he's actually physically in the space, but she's in not there. The and then sometimes they're actually talking to each other physically in the space, but they're actually talking to each other on their phones. And in reality, they are in different in different spaces, but they are, uh, I guess, psychically in the same room, almost like Kylo Ren, um, and. Um, 
Yeah, I think this movie borrows uh, a, lot a lot from, from the, the, the Rise of Skywalker. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, that that's really what the main hook. It's not Vertigo. It's the Rise of uh, Skywalker. I um, cannot wait to not <laughs> review the next Star Wars movie. <laughs> I, but you really liked Andor, right? So maybe this hope. Andor's really good. I'm not finished with it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, I, I like Mando too, man. Like, but like, and Obi Wan's fine. Listen, let's not go like, too far down that rabbit hole. But, but, yeah. but to the point, I, I, I'm a hundred percent on board. And I, and I apologize if my, if my reading of the film feels negative and it's and if you if you don't trust my opinion of it you're right not to trust my opinion of it because of the way in which i had to watch this film uh or i you know kind of created the situation my my big takeaway is that i did i wasn't convinced fundamentally about the romance in the film which i think is really important um but i'm a hundred percent this is a film i am one one million percent willing to go back and try and and even if i don't like it so you know Martin Scorsese's film The Departed is a film that I'm always I always go I don't think this movie works but I always go ah but I'm going to give it another try and I have watched that movie like probably six or seven times now going and I get to the end of it and go I don't think that really works but and then like a year or two goes by and I'm like but I'm willing to give it another try sure this I feel could be one of those films for me which is that I'm I like it's so well put together and there is such this beautiful like that construction isn't just slick visuals there is a dreamlike quality to this movie and the fluidity to it that makes it completely um uh hallucinatory and wonderful to watch you know like it is kind of amazing to watch it um it just didn't quite connect for me, uh, to be honest with you. And and particularly the ending, you know, like it kind of, it gets to a point at the end where there is a sort of missed connection sadness about it. Um, I guess. that I, I always I thought these know. two characters were almost, there was almost like, I was waiting for the reveal. There's, there's a famous South Korean film called Phylon um, about these two uh, people who fall in love but never meet in the course of the movie. Uh, and we realized that they kind of lived in two different time zones uh, or two different times. Uh, I was wondering about the reveal of this film being that these two people never actually met or something like that because there was always a sort of distance to them. Um, mm. And the ending kind of suggests that. But, it, like, of course, it's not, it, that's not what the film does. But I just kind of wondered about that quality to it because there's such a, like, again, a hallucinatory quality to the way in which he's investigating her, the way in which he imagines himself to be part of her life and then is not, um, the way in which he recounts her murders um, in extreme like detail where he's visualizing being part of it um, and then isn't there. All of this to say is, again, it's, just, it's a wonderful quality to it, and I'm, I'm willing to give it another shot, but it, really on a first viewing, uh, didn't quite land for me. It all landed for me, with the exception of the ending, I thought was a little bit weak. But um, I think this movie is more about the journey than the destination, if that sort of makes sense. I think some movies build to the the end, and when the ending doesn't hit, uh, it can ruin it. I don't think that is this uh, particular case for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a ton here for literally everybody, even if it's not a perfect film or something that you will enjoy every aspect of. The visuals, as we've said, are great. The story is super interesting. Uh, it can get convoluted, and uh, but it also does set you up with a presence that, like, it knows what is going on, and if you un- if you really dig deep and try to understand, you will be rewarded for it. Mm. Um, yeah, I would say watch this, watch this movie. Hey, everybody, <laughs> watch it, watch it before the Oscars, because I bet you it's going to be in there. 
Maybe. Um, you never know. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? This has been the only podcast about the film Decision to Leave. Shahir, when you are not putting in your two weeks notice so you can go back home and really start that rock climbing career you wanted to do before your super young wife, who you rescued from a shipping container, uh, decides to join you before you even know that she's there, where can folks find you? Boy, I lost the thread on that one and completely. Which, what reference are we talking about there? Uh, anyway, we'll you go. were the murdered husband in the movie. Oh, but was she in a shipping container? The, yeah, he, the reason why they were together, she's younger, she's much younger than he was, oh, and was he rescued her from, uh, from I think she was either, she was trying to uh, escape China or being human trafficked, and he rescued her, but then he was abusive, there's a whole big thing. Oh, I remember the, abu- the abuse, and the, uh, the, the... She was the- covered in shit. Well, the letters, uh, you know, the fact that he tattooed his uh, his name on her or his initials yeah. on her. Anyway, anyway, uh, anyway, when I'm not doing any of that shit, <laughs> you can find me at my website <laughs> listening to Marla's Fifth um, while, I don't know, climbing into bed uh, on my website at www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are posing hypotheticals, which I should know the answer to, but have no clue what you're talking about, uh, where can people find you? You can find me, uh, well, 60% of the time you can find me uh, looking at my computer. And then 30% of the time you can find me on my projector. And then 10% you can find me on my phone looking always at my website, <laughs> M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com, for my life and works that has not been updated in nearly five years. I don't even know why I give that anymore. It's so behind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, the Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram and PSN. And, of course... Emperor MSK on the dumpster fire that is Twitter. Please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. We have just started our Frederick the Great series. It is fucking fascinating, and I love it to death. We are uh, still doing uh, So You Haven't Reds. We just did uh, uh, Slaughterhouse-5, which is very, very fun. Uh, And next week, we're going to be doing some EC. uh, The final final pitch over to the new channel, that's Channel 2, Extra Credits Gaming. Uh, And it's going to be about three things junior designers should know before they get into the industry. Uh, Written by a junior designer who has experienced it. So, yeah. Uh, Uh, Next week. How close are we getting to this uh, end of year? Thing. I don't know. That's that's you, man. Yeah. I leave it up to you. If it was up to me, and 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 you're saying it is, we will not be doing that interview episode until the end of this year. Um, but uh, we will try our best. Obviously, we want to see After Sun. There's a few other things uh, on that list as well. Uh, Jafar Panier's film No Bears uh, is one I'm actually quite excited to see. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot coming. Cocaine out. Bear. If we want to do a double feature, Cocaine Bear. Yeah, Cocaine Bear and No Bear. Uh, for the exact wrong reason. <laughs> What's better? <laughs> What's better? Um, and you know, I will try. Uh, here's my prom- Here's my promise to you, dear listener. I will try to watch the movie in its entirety as it was intended to be watched, as opposed wow. to, uh, as opposed to uh, half assing it. Uh, it's true. Yeah. Not all heroes wear capes. Yeah, but, but uh, and I don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com if you watch Decision to Leave, what you think about it, what you think about any other film that we've covered. Also, if you'd like to get in on our inevitable yet never coming uh, end of the year top 10 list, you can send us either A, your written list, or B, your uh, minute or less, Jacob said, audio list of your top 10 films of the year, and we will include as many as we can. Um, yeah, until then, we'll talk to you next week. There's going to be a movie. I'm pretty sure if there's one thing I know. There's going to be a movie next week. Yeah, what if there wasn't? What if there wasn't a, a movie liar. next week? What if there was no more movies? Well, then we'd be the only podcast about, about no more movies. <laughs> about, about nothing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs>
like this ending. This ending's still it's, going. It's, yeah, we're the there's sign, nothing. We've there's nothing Seinfelded here. this. This. this, this Do ending. not listen to the end. Like, don't listen through the music because there'll be nothing there. I'm telling you right now. Do not do it. The dark void of space. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.